Hey there, and welcome to Bust Creative Blocks, a podcast geared toward helping you create with confidence. We're your hosts, Margaret and Victoria. I create beautiful witchy crafts, Margaret writes stories and sometimes music, and we both have an appreciation for a well-baked loaf of bread. Creating in our noisy world is full of opportunities to let fear or failure stop us. We're here to cheer you on and help you keep going toward creative confidence. Our episodes drop weekly and run about a half an hour. So go ahead, listen while you create. Hi, Victoria. Hey, Margaret. How are you? I'm great, thanks. How are you? I am very good, thank you. I'm sitting in this lovely room of yours with two of your adorable dogs. What could be bad? Yeah, yeah. I agree. What could be bad? We're, we're together. That's always a good thing. Yes. Um, We've had yummy tea. I know. The tea was really delicious. Thank you, Heather at Tea and Tarot. Thank you. <laughs> the tea <laughs> was really good. We're drinking The Lovers, which is a tarot card-based tea. Yeah. And it's a new one. It is a new one. And it has glitter in it. It's got edible <laughs> glitter. It's sparkly tea. It's amazing. It's and it quite lovely. Delicious. It's a fruity tisane. And it's glorious. It is quite lovely. I will put a link to Tea and Tarot in our show notes in case oh. anybody would like to buy some tea. Good idea. And have it shipped to them. Good idea. Because we're drinking tea during the episode, so people should probably be like drinking tea while they listen. I mean, honestly, <laughs> it would make it better for them. It's a better experience. <laughs> you know, whatever time of day, just make a cuppa and right. join us. Um, so I have to tell you that I have been on a little bit of like a creating binge lately. Beautiful. Um, and I find that recently I have started almost like the pre-creating process where like I'm writing notes of what I want to do, um, which is kind of nice instead of me just sitting there and being like, wait a second, I don't have this. (laughs) Um, it's kind of nice to prepare myself first. But, uh, yeah, I've been on a little bit of a binge, and I'm thinking it's because the weather's starting to get a little sunnier, um, where, you know, as much as I, I, I do love being in my house in the winter anyway, but I find, maybe because I'm cold, I, I'm not as creative. Okay. Um, but I'm, I'm finding that the weather and the sunniness is making me a little bit more creative. I have to say, one of my favorite feelings in the entire world is... A summer day in early June, because mm-hmm. the air conditioner's not in the window yet, mm-hmm. opening the window up and just writing. That and sounds glorious. It is so lovely. It is so lovely. And sometimes I'll write by hand, and it almost mm-hmm. doesn't even matter what I'm writing. I can right. be writing a grocery list for all I Right. But just the act of doing that, you know, with the nice weather. Yeah, I think it, it, it does change our creative patterns. You know, there are times in the winter... I, now, I, I try to work on my writing six out of seven days a week. Mm-hmm. I give myself a day off because I don't want to, like, die. So, right. <laughs> although right. sometimes, I, end, sometimes I do end up writing on that day, but okay. not always. Um, and, you know, in the winter, sometimes it's like, okay, I have on my calendar, you know, spend this many hours a day writing. And it's kind of like as soon as I hit that mark in the winter, mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, I'm done. <laughs> Yeah. Time to go read a book or watch something on Netflix. In the summer, I'll be like, okay, that was that. I'm going to keep going. Yeah. I I noticed that my creative juices, of course, flow through the holiday season. Mm Mm-hmm. January, February, I'm not big on creative stuff. I'm I'm a little bit more like now I have to clean up because 
I am a little bit of a messy creative and um, I don't always love to clean my space because a lot of times I'll get in there. I'm like, oh, wait a second. I'm going to sweep the floor. Oh, wait. I look. Oh, look at this lavender. Like I now I'm going to create with that. And like I'm all over the place. Well, that's um, what's about having a studio. Yeah. It can be yeah. messy. Yeah. And I just kind of, I would say I close the door. There's no doors. There's, um, there's doggy gates so hey. that the dogs don't go in there and eat anything bad. But I, sometimes I just close that up and Might as well be I'm a done. field. I'm done. Yeah. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that at all. Yeah. Um, for me, I often will have stacks of books out. Okay. So, you know, if I'm, if I'm working on a book that takes place in ancient Rome, I have all of my books about Rome out while mm-hmm. I'm working mm-hmm. so that anytime I need to, I can just look something up. I don't right. have to get up and get the book, you know, right. from like a double stacked bookshelf. And, right. <laughs> you know, it's, and, and it stays out for days because I'll be working on that same thing for True. days. But, you know, I always call things the project before the project or the project within the project. I like that. You know, there's times that I'm like, okay, I'm going to create, um, a new anointing oil, let's say. And then I'm like, okay, uh, I have all, all like these creative juices flowing. And I'm like, oh wait, where where are my dropper bottles? Ah. And then it's the cr- the process of like, you know, the project of like find like finding those and that oh, we, that's inevitably going to take 25 minutes. Right. Because I don't know why. Even though they're always right around the space where they're <laughs> supposed to be, I just can't see them and then like, you know, Tom will come in and be like, they're right here. Um, and, um, but yeah, um, that drives me crazy, but it drives me less crazy when it's all nice and warm and I have my windows open. I can hear the birds and you know, like the, there's like a nice little breeze. It seems to be fine then. But when it's just like cold and January, maybe I'm just cranky. Maybe I have to realize I'm just cranky in January, February. Maybe it's seasonal affective disorder. Maybe, maybe. Cause <laughs> yeah. Although this February was good cause I was away okay. for a big part yeah, of it you, in, you went in Richmond. A warmer, yeah. And, um, it was. You know, that was different. But I still, yeah, maybe it is S-A-D, right? Right. Yeah, okay. What an acronym. Yeah. So um, (laughs) maybe it is. But I find that I'm a little cranky in January. And this year I was, I was cranky. (laughs) Fair. Everyone's allowed to have some cranky time. Yeah, yeah. And it seems like a good time to be cranky. Yeah. You know, you don't want to be cranky. around in January. Right. You don't want to be cranky around Yule because that's too much fun. Yeah. You don't want to be cranky around Samhain or, you know, Halloween or, you know, the fall holidays or even just the fall because it's so delightful. Right. Who wants to be cranky in the summer? It's too hot to be cranky. And uh, (laughs) in the spring, there's just such a a renewal and rebirth. So winter's the good time to be cranky. It really is. Yeah. It really is. Um, So when you have these little projects within projects... Mm -hmm. Does that ever block your creativity or like, like say you set a certain amount of time aside, how does it feel then if you then have to do something else before you can do the thing you wanted to do? So it does block my creativity because I get mad. Okay. And for me, if I get mad, I lose my creativity. Okay. Um, And when I start losing my creativity, I get like that, like, you know, talking to myself mad, like, jeez, I can't believe this is happening. Oh my God. And as every time I say something, I get less and less creative. Okay. And then by the time that I'm kind of done finding the bottles, let's say, I made myself like into such a creative genius tizzy that I'm like, I'm like, you know, I'm I'm just like, well, I'm leaving my studio. Yeah. So I only punish myself. Okay. Well, that tends to be what most of us do with creative blogs. Right. 
We're right. punishing. It's not usually someone else punishing us. True, true. But we're, you know, I wish I could. I wish I could realize it when it's happening. Oh yeah. Because of course, like an hour later, I'm like, why did I just do? Like that was that was silly. Okay, so I wonder if you'd be willing to do an experiment. That the next time this starts to happen, see if you notice it sooner because you've talked about it now. Yep. Now maybe. maybe you've talked about it with other people before. Not really. Okay. So <laughs> let's see if that if that raises your awareness. Oh, I'm gonna try it. I'm All gonna right. try it because it really annoys me when I like get so much into my own head that I can't be creative. Yeah. Um, and it kind of you know it's earlier I was telling you about you know um, these classes that I teach. Um, and I really, I try to prepare for them, you know, You're I try excellent. to prepare as best as I can, um, because of course I don't think that I'm a genius at every subject. So. I mean, <laughs> we could argue about that. It's not really what we're here to do, but exactly. I could give you a counterpoint, but, um, <laughs> but you know, part of the preparing is part of my creative process of like preparing for your, if there's like a project that we're doing or we're you know we have handouts or whatever it's like all part of the creativity but um I teach a class and I teach it for teens and I teach it for adults and the teen class I'm usually pretty confident because I'm really very comfortable with the teens um but I had my first adult class that I felt like who am I to tell people what to do I like these handouts are so silly or like the, you know, if we do that project, that will be silly because I'm not an expert. Um, but like, I think sometimes that like, especially with like teaching, you don't have to really be an expert. You just have to, you know, do the research, do it to the best of your abilities, you know, try to know as much as you can. Because, you know, when people ask you a question, like if the teens ask me a question, I don't know the answer. I'm like, I'm going to look that up or mm -hmm. I'm going to ask my friend Margaret or I'm going to, you know, talk to somebody else who knows more about this. Because there have been times with classes um, that I've been like, I, this is like the extent of my knowledge. But I felt like with the adult class, like I had to be all of a sudden like the Albert Einstein genius <laughs> of the topic the of the class. The compendium of all. Yeah. And it's so silly. But I mean, that's, it doesn't feel that way in the minute, right? Yeah, in the minute, I really felt uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. um, somebody had asked me a question, and I was like, oh, God, I, I can't answer this question because it's not in my notes. Now, the question that they asked me was not something that, you know, I, re I really would have needed to research. It was a, it was a, it was a question about another basic, um, you know, how does this work yeah. type of question. Um, but I still felt like, why am I telling you? Oh my gosh, I don't know. You know, I could look this up in a book, but so could you. So that doesn't make me any better than you. And it's, I don't think it's a matter of like being better at something. I think it's just a matter of almost like trying hard at something. Okay. And doing it to the best of my ability. Yeah. And if I could show you how to do it, great. And if I could teach you something, great. So I do equate that with creating things. Mm -hmm. Um, You know. Even though it's a class and it's not like I'm making artwork or writing or no, doing anything. You're creating an experience for mm -hmm. people. It's the same as doing this podcast. This is a creative endeavor. True. We're not coming away with a physical, tangible product that we can go and you know sell or whatever. True. But it is a creative process and it, it's, it's teaching people things. So I don't see it as any different than a class. Absolutely. 
You're right. You're absolutely right. We swear on here and have to mark it explicit. I mean, some people swear in class. Right. No, you're absolutely right. But still, like, yeah, it's hard to not, like, think that you're an imposter sometimes. For example, one of the things that I did was, and I know I, I, we were talking about this, that one of the things in class was a meditation. Okay. Because I think that when you come to a class especially in evening class, and you've worked all day, it's hard to get into that zone. You've had to, like, work, then drive to the place, and you're like, I don't want to be late. I don't want to be that student, you know? I think that you need to, like, kind of, like, unwind a little Mm -hmm. bit and, like, clear your headspace. So I decided we would do a meditation. Great. And I thought, instead of me, you know, reading off a meditation, like, live... You know, because I knew that that would make me uncomfortable. Um, I'm going to record it. And I had listened to the recording probably about two or three times. And okay. thought it was fine. It was fine. It was just me reading a meditation, okay? So I started the recording and all I did was judge myself. And I was like, oh my God, this sounds awful. I'm speaking so fast. I don't like how I just like, what do they call like voice inflect? Oh, yeah, the, the inflection. Yeah, yeah, like, I was like, what am I, what am I doing here? Oh, my God, this is crazy. And, like, I was being so critical that when the meditation ended and it was like, you know, everybody, like, realize where you are and, like, take a deep breath and everything, I was still, I still had my eyes closed for a while because I was, like, scolding myself in okay. my head. So, I'm going to ask you a question if I can. Sure. Just for some context. I already know the answer, but mm-hmm. anyone listening to this will not. Because... I know that you're not an imposter, and you know after the fact you're not an imposter. Right. How long have you been practicing, in general, the subject matter that you were teaching? Oh, God, over 25 years. Okay. And that's all I say now because the number is large <laughs> enough that over 25 years would be, you know. Um, and it's one of those things, like like a lot of people experience. I, there's times I've walked away. There's times I've practiced harder than I, than I haven't practiced. You know, there's all sorts of, like, ebbs and flows. Right. But, yes, t- over 25 years. Okay. So, we might, dare I say, call you an expert. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but I feel like, you know, I don't know everything. Because I'm does. that person that I'm I'm still, like, I see a book and I'm like, I got to get that book. Because I may not know one thing. And that book, that 300-page book is going to tell me the one little sentence. And I'm, that... That's going to, you know. It may be the one sentence that you need. Right. Because I love reading and I love doing all of that. Yeah. So, um, and I do love preparing things. And I just love being creative. But I do know what people feel like when they just get that block. Yes. And then they're like, the reason why I have a block is because I suck. Right. (laughs) It's very easy to make that leap. Yeah. Instead of being like, the reason I have this block is because I've been looking at social media and comparing myself, or the reason I have this block is because I care about what I'm doing, or the reason I have this block is because I'm a human being. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, the, the reasons are a multitude of reasons, and it's very easy to make the leap from, I'm blocked, therefore I'm flawed. Yes. And maybe it is flawed, but like, we're all flawed. Nothing, no one is perfect. Right, but I liked what you said before. Because I care about what I'm I'm doing. Oh, that's my main thing. That's huge because, you know, that is really why you block yourself. Yeah. And why you tell well, if yourself. if you don't care, who, right. it could be crap. And who right. would, no one would right. know or be bothered by it. Right. Um, and they would expect it to not be worth 
whatever time, money, or effort they're investing. You know, I hate to say this, but I'm going to say something. It's going to sound really snooty and bitchy, but I'm okay. going to say it anyway. <laughs> Go for it. Have you ever been, you have, because you're an author, so you've been with like-minded people, so other authors, okay? Yep. And... I don't even want to use that example because then it seems like I'm I'm attacking authors. So I'm just going to say in my own experience as a creative person, and I've been around other creatives and I'm like, oh my gosh, I, there's no way, like, look at that person. Like they're so calm and they're so confident and like everything, they just seem so together. And here I am like ripping myself apart. Yes. But then now this is where it gets super bitchy. Then I see their finished product and I'm like, <laughs> what the heck is that? Okay, so this has totally happened to me before. <laughs> and in multiple realms of creativity. So mm-hmm. I won't use authorship because um, even though I can think of an example, I, I don't imagine that this person would even be listening to this podcast, but let's say they are. I don't right. want to upset them. It's not worth dragging that up. But I will use another example. So um, when I was in undergrad... And this is why this example works, because I don't remember anyone's names. (laughs) (laughs) I was an undergrad, and I was absolutely positive at the time that I wanted to be a fine arts major. Um, Caveat to this, the only fine art I actually enjoy doing is drawing. And now I like digital painting, because it's not Mm -hmm. messy. I can do it on an iPad. It doesn't make a mess. Right. But um, And drawing messes don't bother me, but paint messes, because they're wet, always bother me. Same as clay. Like, I just, I don't enjoy the process. Mm -hmm. Therefore, I'm not willing to put in the effort to make it any kind of good, right? So, um, anyways, I was in a sculpture class. I had to take a 3D sculpture class Mm -hmm. for part of this major I was working toward. Um, And I'll just just throw in a little note here. I ended up majoring in art history. Just so so we all know that this did not head toward a fine arts degree. Okay. Um, (laughs) And... Uh, this class was taught by someone who believed that you teach by beating people down. Oh, yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah, okay. The only two things I remember about this teacher was that philosophy and that they talked about how much tea they drank that it was turning their teeth brown. Okay. And I was like, (laughs) maybe switch teas? I've never had that problem with tea, but okay. Okay. Like, I... You know, are you bathing in it? What's going on? But um, <laughs> you have to swallow the tea. You can't, yeah, just, you can't just, just switch it around all day. Um, anyway, uh, she may have been doing that, by the way. Maybe. But who knows? She kind of had a look on her face like she might have been doing that. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, um, so, you know, we would do a project, mm-hmm. make a project, and then we'd have to present it for critique. And it wasn't so much the students critiquing each other, which would have been a fruitful experience because then you're learning how. Mm-hmm. It was her critiquing our work. Oh, fantastic. Out loud? Out loud in front of the whole class. Okay. And uh, one time I remember that she, and, and she would like unveil the projects. We'd all seen each other working <laughs> on them in the studio. There's only like 10 people in the class. I don't know why it needed to be unveiled, but whatever. Um so she would unveil the project, but before she would unveil it, she would talk about the project and the, the student who created it, and she'd say things like, you know, oh, they went to this private school where they studied under this person and such and such. Then she would unveil the project. And my initial reaction was sometimes like, I know I'm supposed to be able to tell what that is, 
and I kind of can't. Mm-hmm. I also knew she was really hard on people, so it's like I wasn't trying to like beat on them, mm-hmm. but you know, I'm like all this experience that she just bragged about you, person. Mm-hmm. It's not showing up in the work. Right. Right. Now that could have been because she had a very destructive style of teaching. She would literally take projects apart if they weren't working. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a a whole horse of a different color. Mm-hmm. But I remember thinking like all this hype of this person's work up till now. And I know that's supposed to be a wire sculpture of some kind of animal, but I don't know what animal. Right, right. And I remember thinking, like, okay, that experience doesn't really amount to much then in this particular instance. Yeah. You know? Because I'm like, I should be able to at least tell what that animal is. Yeah. Or have, have like, a guess. Yeah. Or have, have it in a yeah. ballpark. Yeah. And like, yeah. Is it an elephant? No, it's a mouse. Okay, yeah, why? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> I was just trying to think of an example like that. Like, it can't be so foreign, you know? Yeah, like, yeah. From each other. Like, oh, yeah, okay, yeah. Oh, I see it now? I mean, yeah. Like, what do you say then? You know, like, oh, yeah. Well, obviously. I, you know, maybe from a different angle. Although, oddly, for, for a 3D art class, she never had us walk around the sculpture. Oh. Usually how one views. <laughs> yeah art in the third dimension yeah but um you know whatever <laughs> it was wow. what it was she was a unique lady um i don't remember her name i don't remember any of my classmates names <laughs> right it was that long ago yeah and i yeah disliked that class enough that i guess i didn't i didn't log it but um i certainly logged the experiences and there was mm-hmm. that moment of like okay this person's had all this training but look at what it got them mm-hmm. and then i felt horrible for thinking that because i was like they probably just were like scared because <laughs> she's so scary. Maybe, <laughs> but you know, but still, but it's, it's the truth though. Like my, my example that I was talking about was I took this mixed media, like group, a cla- I, it wasn't really a class. It was like this group of like, like-minded individuals who kind of got together to show their work and, you know, kind of tried to help each other out. And I can remember like working on pro- processes and be like, I don't know, like, I don't know, it's just looking like a mess and, you know, and people are like, oh, I, I don't ever have that problem. I don't ever think that because I'm creating and I felt like they were just so confident. Yeah. And then, like, they would show their stuff and I would be like, oh, it's collage, okay, but, like, it's it's everywhere. Like, yeah. it's, you know, it's, there's a lot. There was, like, a lot to take in and sometimes, like, you know, when you're looking at art, you don't want it to attack your eyes. Right. You know, you'd you, like to come to the art. Right, right. And <laughs> and, um, and I remember thinking, like, no wonder why you're so calm, cool, and collected. And I think that what you just said made perfect sense. If you're not really caring about it, then that that there's, like, a level that can maybe, like, leave. Yeah. Um, Because you have, like, more of, like, a straight path to your final product. Like, oh, well, I'm an... I'm an artist, so therefore I don't need to care, and here's my final product. Yeah. Where I'm more like, I'm a person who creates this, or I'm trying to create this, and um, it sucks, and like, please, like, I have to go hide now. Yeah, <laughs> no, I, I definitely think that that could factor into it, and it could be that this person was like, she's going to tear down whatever I make anyway, so why would I bother... To that make could be that it too. Thing look like a mouse. That could be it too. I don't know what was going on in their brain. I didn't ask because, <laughs> like I said, I don't even remember who was in this. I yeah. hated this class so much. I like it wasn't so much the people that were in it; it was who was teaching it and how yeah. it was taught. That I just, 
I went because I had to. Yeah. I did not enjoy it at all. Um, and maybe that's how everyone else felt. So they were like, screw this. I, you know, those, like, I'm going to do what I did to do the past. Right. And those are always hard classes to take because you'd like to think in a class where people are creating and like exposing their inner self outside that people would be a little bit more compassionate yes. and um, I don't mean I don't think that they have to be like oh that's an A you know because right. you know you be you lose macaroni to the page <laughs> and like there you go but like there has to be a better way to be like there is. you know what I think that like this looks like an elephant you're telling us it's a mouse and like something was missed and like let's work on that or like is that how you see mice I you know. <laughs> Maybe your mice have trunks. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Maybe but, I'm um, on the tail. I don't. I'm not really sure. Um, right, but like I think yeah. that. Yeah, I think that. Um, as much as you don't want people to just be like, "Oh, I love your work. It's so great." Um, you know, you don't also have to be like, "Okay, your work stinks, and you're a loser." So, like, yeah. there's got to be somewhere in between there. I think there is. <laughs> and there is, there but is. like. And I think, but like, how that, do we stay in that spot? So, okay. So I think, I think you'll already feel at home in this answer mm-hmm. or this suggestion of an answer. Um, and it's something that I learned from Jenny Nash, who runs Author Accelerator. She's my boss. I work for that company and it's fabulous and I love her. Um, and she inspires me all the time. I'm going to stop gushing now. <laughs> and uh, I'll probably gush again in another episode. But <laughs> one of the things that... I learned from her is to stay curious. And if we're asking questions, we're not passing judgment. So let's say that you make a sculpture and it looks like an elephant. And you're like, this is totally a mouse, 100%. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and I, instead of saying to you, like, there's no way in hell that this is a mouse. It's clearly an elephant. Um, I might say, like, okay, what, um, what was your technique to make the ears mouse like mm-hmm. talk me through it mm-hmm. and by giving you the you know you the fake sculpture student the <laughs> opportunity to discuss your wire mouse with me right from your standpoint maybe one of two things is going to happen either i'm going to see it the way you think i should okay right and i'll be like oh you know what that does look like a mouse okay or you're going to realize it doesn't look like a mouse <laughs> right like, oh <laughs> I what can't, was I doing? I can't answer that question, right? <laughs> right, right? And But what it does is it's not me telling you this doesn't look like a mouse. I'm not judging it. Right. I'm saying, how how did you envisage this mouse and make it out of wire? Please talk me through your process. And by staying curious instead of judging, we can, in almost a Socratic method, get people where we need them to go. Mm-hmm. Without coming, without crushing their spirit. True, but now let me um, let me oh, let me get to one like step further. Yeah, let's let's keep going. So now the person you are the creator and the judger, or and the person it's being presented to. Yeah. So now you don't have. There's not another person. It's not your pal. It's not somebody. It's like. Oh my gosh, what were you going through when you made that? Like, are you okay? <laughs> you know, because um, I don't like to be that way to people. I don't like to be like, oh, well, obviously, like you, you know, you just don't care about your work because look at how it looks. Because I don't like to be that person, right? But I know I can be that person with myself. Ah, that therein lies the rub, right? Right, and I know that there are times that I've seen things. I mean, I'm like, what the hell was I going through that day? Yeah, 
you know. Um, so, yeah, I I guess that that's it. You have to learn how to speak to yourself. Yeah. Like you were just saying, let's go through this in a way where we're going to ask questions that we're going to come out one way or the other. Yeah. So one of the things, and I don't know if this is easier to do with written work than with something else, but one of the things that I've always done when I've worked with writers is I've said, um, okay, there's you, the writer, and there's the text. Until the text is polished and ready for the marketplace, it's going to have problems. Let's mm-hmm. just presume that. If okay. you're writing something that's 300 pages, there's going to be an issue in it somewhere. Yeah, no, yeah. Right? Yeah. Nobody spits out gold. Mm-hmm. And, um, okay, if you can spit out gold, I want you to find me, because <laughs> we could probably like, save the world or something. But if you're not spitting out gold, listen up. Um, I think... A lot of times what happens is it's hard for us to detach ourselves because we care mm-hmm. from the creative work. But there has to be some level of detachment if we're ever going to get objective with it. Right? So we can, when we're too close to it, that's when it's hard to be objective. And that's when we beat ourselves up. So the best thing to do, I find, mm-hmm. is put it away. Okay. Get some time. Because... That's the best way to distance yourself until you're practiced in distancing yourself in other ways mm-hmm. where you can mentally, like I, I'm at the point with my writing now where I can mentally say, okay, there's me, the writer, and there's the text. Mm-hmm. And if something's wrong with the text, whether I'm spotting it or someone else's, it no longer affects me emotionally. It can be the most emotion driven piece of writing I've ever done in my life. But I can hear someone say like, you're telling me this wants to do this. Mm-hmm. It's not doing it yet. How can you do it? How can you change it so that it doesn't? Mm-hmm. And a long a while ago, I used to hear, you're not doing X. X being the factor, not a drug. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> how, can, how can you change you so that you can do X? Mm-hmm. Right? So I'm not hearing that anymore. Mm-hmm. I've separated myself from the work. Okay. It's hard to do that at first with any piece. Mm-hmm. I, I go through this over and over and over again with every single piece. But the idea of putting distance between time and distance between yourself, literally putting it away, either on your computer or in a drawer mm-hmm. or whatever, and not setting a time limit that you're not going to look at it again, it creates that distance and makes it easier to see it objectively for yourself mm-hmm. until you reach a point where you can train yourself to do that without that time and distance. Okay. Yeah. No, I have found that when I am getting too hard on myself, a lot of times I'll take one of the dogs for a walk. Perfect. And come back. And yeah. then I do see it in a different in a different frame of mind, in a different yeah. light, in something different. And I'll be like, okay, this is what I was trying to do. And this is the, this is the error that I'm making. Yeah. You know, instead of being like, well, yeah, you obviously, there's something wrong with you. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I mean, how dare you try and create. Right. Like, right. Right. Who are you to think you can right. do this? Um, I also think that like, when you have to show something that you created and if somebody is like super harsh to you and like super mean, it's not even on you. It's on them. So, you know, cause that's just rude. Like you don't, you don't, you know, you know what I mean? But like, I would never be like mean to like another creative, another artist, you know, anybody who was pouring their heart into something. Correct. I may tell them I don't understand something, but I wouldn't be mean about it except to myself, of course. Right. So why are you worth less than them? Yeah. You know, cause you know. That's the way it is. <laughs> Except it's not. Exactly. It's not. We're all exactly. exactly. And I think also, okay, so we've got the, the element of really caring about what you're doing. And I think another important element is at least 
in the culture that I've been raised in, and I don't necessarily mean my parents, I mean society Mm -hmm. as a whole, there's sort of this need to be humble. And I actually noticed this when your father-in-law talked to me about my book Mm -hmm. at Beckham's graduation party. Okay. And I was so honored. He walked up to me and asked if he could shake my hand because he enjoyed my book. And I was like bowled over, but I immediately had to change the subject. So I shook his hand. I was like, I hear you're from England. (laughs) (laughs) Tell me about your whole life, please, because I don't want to talk about myself or my work. Right. So that, I mean, that was imposter syndrome. Oh, absolutely. In its, in its like brightest form. Uh, And, you know, so it's, it's what happens after you finish the work. It can still come to you because, you know, it's like, well, I don't want to be that author. I've met plenty of writers who are full of themselves and plenty of artists who are full Mm -hmm. of themselves. It's not only writers, of course, but um, plenty of creators who are full of themselves. And they're not pleasant to be around. And so there's always been that thought in my head of like, don't be that person. Mm -hmm. So finding that fine line of being confident, but still having some humility Mm -hmm. can also be very important and difficult and I think that that really comes down to aligning your creative work with your sole purpose. Mm-hmm. Because, and this is, I, I say this in my little mini course all the time, <laughs> Buster Imposter Syndrome. Um, if your work is aligned with your sole purpose, you can't possibly be an imposter. Absolutely. How can you be an imposter if it is your you sole purpose? You and can't. I don't mean sole, S-O-L-E. I mean S-O-U-L. Mm-hmm. The reason that you've incarnated in this life, whether you believe you do it one time or thousands of times or whatever, mm-hmm. if it's the reason you're here, you can't possibly be an imposter. And Absolutely. you can't be overconfident either. Yeah. You will strike that balance. And that for me... Um, was one of the most challenging realizations to come to and embrace. But I haven't had imposter syndrome since. Okay. In anything, not just writing. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it used to crop up all over the place. Mm-hmm. The last time I felt it was when I baked something that didn't come out well. And it was the wheat bread. But when I discovered I used the wrong size pants, I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. I just yeah. used the wrong size pants. Yeah. Clearly that was the problem. But, <laughs> you know, I have to tell you, like, even as a mom, there's times that you feel like you're an imposter mom. Because, like, you know, you're like, oh, look how look how that mom's doing. And, like, they're so much better. And, look, they have that or whatever. Like, whatever's happening. Yeah. And it's awful. But you could do that in anything. You could do you that know, in anything. You know, um, so... But I'd love it if you could tell us more about your course. Oh, sure. So it's a little three-day course. So the idea is that in three days, you learn how to bust through imposter syndrome. It's not a guarantee that it will happen for you in three days, Mm -hmm. because of course, everybody's different. But it has um, meditations. Okay. Video lessons, Mm -hmm. tarot spreads, a workbook with journal prompts in it. Uh, And you work through this course material in a matter of three days, and then... You should know how to bust through imposter syndrome because what it does is it, it gives you the opportunity to discover and align with your sole purpose and That's also excellent. to do the shadow work that right. comes through dealing right. with imposter syndrome and realizing that it is because we care. Right. And right. that's, that's, I think people thing. forget that they do. I think people forget that. And maybe you could put the information 
um, to your class in, in our notes? I can. I can put a link. <laughs> like, is that what it's called? I'm the biggest imposter. Yeah, show notes. You are not an imposter. You are so not an imposter. Like, is that what it is? <laughs> Listen, yeah. we, each, we each have our, our roles to play. We sure do. And, you know, if mine is to type up the show notes, that's easy. <laughs> Here's a hint. I use the same ones every single time, and I just copy paste and add things that was necessary. <laughs> Excellent, Excellent. So for our other podcast, this magical life, um, I have a huge show notes file, mm-hmm. and I even have in there like the little blurbs that our guests have sent. So that if they mm-hmm. come back, I don't have to bother them again. Right. I can just say, "Do you have any new links?" Right. And then I just pop the same one in, and it takes two seconds. That's perfect. It's it. You know, mm-hmm. I'm sure there are people out there who craft beautiful show notes. Thing is. I care enough to present the information. Mm-hmm. That's not where I decide to use my creativity. Right. I'd rather use it in talking to you. Right. I'd rather use it in, in creating other things. So I choose to make that process easy peasy. That's excellent. It works. Yeah, that's excellent. <laughs> yeah. It works. So I just think that if you're out there and you're having some sort of doubts about your work and you're like, oh, it's, it's me. There's something wrong with me and I'm not doing this right because I shouldn't be doing it or I'm not doing this right because I'm not right or something. You got to step back for a few minutes. Yeah, put it away. Go walk a dog. Yeah, go go do something where then you can realize, you know what? Uh, how do I make this work for me now? Exactly. How do I, how do, what do I need to do to myself to make this better? Yeah, and also like what, what do I think, what do I desire for this creative thing or you know object mm-hmm. to do and is it doing it yeah what can i do to make it better at doing the thing i wanted to do absolutely because you are not an imposter no you can't be an imposter yeah it's not possible not possible it's impossible to be an imposter <laughs> now i want that to be a t-shirt <laughs> that's a good idea it's an excellent idea um you know and so, is there anything else you want to add to this episode, Victoria? Because I mean, we could talk, we could and probably will talk about imposter syndrome a lot. It's one of the biggest creative blocks out there. I think I think no, um, but I think that I will have things to add in in the future because I will, of course, for myself, come up to blocks um, sure. where I'm like, oh, you know, it's because of my, you know, I'm an imposter or whatever, oh, yeah. or or you know, there's going to be things that that happen to all of us. Yeah, that is going to make us you know, go through creative slumps sometimes, you know, where you feel like I'm not producing my best work, so I'm just not going to produce it now. And that's acceptable. It's acceptable to be like, I'm not producing what, what I do best. I need to put this away for however long it is, mm-hmm. you know, a day, a week, a month, whatever, um, and then go back to it. There's nothing wrong with that. And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, so, yes, I talk a lot these days about how I don't suffer from imposter syndrome anymore because I got rid of it. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean I don't suffer from other blocks as well. Right. You know, there's still perfectionism. I got that in spades. Yeah. <laughs> it's really hard to let go of a project sometimes. Um, and, you know, then just life things. Yeah. Like a week and a half ago, I sprained my wrist and I was like, well, beta readers waiting for this book, you're going to have to wait a little bit longer because I'm at the stage where I need to handwrite notes. Right. And it's just not going to happen. Right. Um, perfectionism is not something that I suffer from. Okay. Um, which I think is is kind of weird that I don't because I know a lot of people do. They want things to be perfect. I'm always like, but if things are perfect, that's not good either. Oh no, so, it's not. It's yeah. also impossible. So, um, but you know, I don't know why I can why that I can see, but 
other things I can't. Just like, you know, yeah. Like, we all have our things that we can see right through. And we're like, wait a second. That's not going to get me. Um, You know. And then we have things that are like, oh my gosh. That that is totally going to bring me down. I have a theory about this. And we can talk more in depth about it in another episode if you like. Um, The reason why perfectionism is easy to see, easier to see, is it is a fear of failure. Which we associate failure with negative feelings. So it's easy to see that we're afraid of it. But imposter syndrome is a fear of success. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. And yes, that is another episode because um, that, that's a pretty uh, lengthy topic. But yes, when you put it that way, it's like, oh, it's so clear to me, Margaret. Right? It's In so this clear. moment, it's so clear. It's so clear to me. Um, but, you know, when I'm going through it, sometimes it's not so clear to see. Oh, yeah. We get that, that right? fog right? around the issue. Yeah. Absolutely. And later, it's like, oh, of course. That's what was going on. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. So our advice to you for now, dear listeners, is that if you're suffering from a block, put it down and go walk a dog. Mm -hmm. Come back to it later. We'll have more advice for you as our episodes continue. Mm -hmm. But take it small. You know, not everything has to be fixed in a day. Yeah. And check out Buster Imposter Syndrome if you want to get rid of it for good because... Yep. Who doesn't? Yep. Um, and if you don't have a dog, go adopt one. <laughs> yeah. Or like find a friend or a neighbor who has a dog. I mean, like I have one dog in my house, but Victoria has four dogs. So I, I have plenty here, to share. Come on over. Yeah. When I come here, I get to hang out with four dogs, which is awesome. They're all so amazing. And I yeah. love them all. Yeah. Especially yeah. Lizzie right now, who's yeah. mostly under a blanket except for her back feet. Which is so funny. <laughs> She's so chill too. I'm just like touching the balls and she doesn't care. She doesn't care. She's a good girl. She doesn't care. But remember, (laughs) don't be an imposter. Don't think you're an imposter because you're not. And um, just go out there and be as creative as you can. And go walk a dog. And go walk a dog. (laughs) It's good for you and the dog. Sage advice. (laughs) (laughs) It really is. Yeah. It really is. It really is. Well, thank you so much for listening, everybody. And we will see you next week. Remember to be creative. Thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. Share our podcast with your favorite creators and leave a review. Be sure to follow us on Instagram and share your creativity with us by tagging us at Bus Creative Blocks.